0: This is the future and humanity is all but extinct.
1: First they start skipping prescribed drug dosages, then they begin touching.
0: I volunteer as tribute!
1: You can stop this, you can change things.
0: I know that there's something more. Then we've only got one choice. We fight! Fight the Future with Dan and Paul
1: Welcome to Fight the Future with Dan and Paul
0: and I'm Dan I'm Paul and today we're going to be talking about Battle Royale
1: Yes, the Japanese movie from 2000 widely condemned as being horrific
0: I watched on Netflix and it says that this movie has not been rated in North America but in Japan, it was you know rated sixteen plus or fifteen plus or something. So this is heavy duty shit. Yeah, which it is. Like I almost
1: didn't think I was gonna make it through it. First of all, because we watched a lot of movies about children being killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically all the movies we've watched. And I'm like, do I really want to watch a movie with people with exploding collars, fifteen year olds shooting each other?
0: Turns out the answer was yes. Yes, I do. Yes
1: fortunately I persevered
0: yeah I like uh, you actually sent me an email saying could you watch this with me over Skype watch this with me and I said nope I'm busy sorry heart of stone yeah harsh but you know what I think you learned to stand on your own
1: thanks dad (laughs) yeah the thing is that once I saw my first color explode it was better after that because it was really ridiculous bright red blood spraying everywhere Still not one that our mom
0: should watch. No. Spoiler alert for this uh, podcast, obviously. If you have not uh, watched or read Battle Royale, there's going to be spoilers here. And also, yeah, if your mother is planning on watching this, maybe don't.
1: I can't believe mom has watched all of our movies so far. We're brothers, by the way. Mhm. She even watched The Host.
0: I know when Hunger Games came out and when people were, it was sort of a big thing, a lot of sort of hipster type people are like well it's just basically battle royale but you know worse
1: which is annoying to me i mean some stories come up over and over and like what about fucking joseph campbell hero of a thousand faces like right you are the chosen one
0: there's all sorts of different nuances to having children fight each other to the death and it's important (laughs) to explore every single one
1: yeah and over the course of this podcast we will find every possible nuance to that yeah but I mean, this one has a very different tone. This is a war and a horror movie wrapped into one.
0: Horror war. (laughs) I believe is the technical term for that.
1: Ah, okay, catchy. Whereas The Hunger Games is a PG-13 action-adventure movie. Right. Which seems, yeah, a little tasteless. This is a much cooler movie than The Hunger Games in some ways. It's not sanitized. I mean, partly because of the ridiculous gore, Mm. but also just that people get into horrific situations where they end up killing the wrong person. In Hunger Games, all the kills are sort of clean in a way.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly a sense of it being much less controlled than in Hunger Games. You know, Hunger Games is being constantly uh, monitored and the whole arena is being controlled and everything is being broadcast, whereas in the Battle Royale, they're just kind of like, here's a bunch of weapons, go to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I've kind of been aware of this movie as a legend for a long time. I was almost surprised it came out in
0: 2000. Mm. It was a a book originally in 1999, I believe. According to Wikipedia, the novel was rejected from a horror novel competition
1: for being too disturbing. (laughs) So it was disturbing, but on the other hand, it also had these elements of melodrama and teen romance Mm -hmm. that somehow made it all go down, I won't say easily, but...
0: I can imagine that the book where all the things are just, you know, you're just generating them all in your own head is probably somewhat more traumatizing than the the movie.
1: Yeah, this actually cast real 15-year-olds, which, you know, is more disturbing in some ways, but it's also quite adorable. So, so we're going to take on Battle Royale in the way that we do all young adult dystopias, talk about the plausibility, talk about the scariness, and how would we do... There may be a little twist there. All righty. The story.
0: The movie opens with information that apparently kids are out of control in Japan. And so they have decided to pass the battle royale laws. Among those laws are that they're going to have one class of kids fight to the death every year. And it's sort of interesting that it's kind of... Yeah, there's not much explanation for that. Yeah, the, the connection between those two aspects and like, really? that's <laughs> They're going to make people fight, kids fight to the death? That's actually just like a, a law that can be passed? <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's sort of part of the whole thing is kind of getting a lot of that kind of stuff out of the way as quickly as possible to get to the actual fighting part.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really... Not a lot about coherent explanations for things, because pretty soon we're on the, this bus for the school trip. A cheerful class of students, Japanese students, fifteen years old, on their way to a school trip, and they're all gassed.
0: Mm-hmm. So unlike something like uh, the Hunger Games or whatever, the it's all all the kids that are going. the The class is chosen at random but all of the kids are from one class. So they take 42 kids from this one class and they're all going to go fight. So they wake up in this sort of abandoned schoolhouse
1: on an island that's been evacuated, as we find out, so that they can fight each other on it. There's a satirical explanation video,
0: very perky video telling us about the rules for this whole endeavor. And it's basically that they all have collars locked around their necks That can make their heads explode.
1: Yeah, and it happens once during the briefing talk, which is really horrifying.
0: Yeah, so they are not messing around. The guy in charge is just like, you know what? I'm going to blow your head up. Beep. Boom.
1: Yeah. Takeshi Kitano, anyway, is the boss in a tracksuit. He's quite terrifying Japanese actor.
0: Who also happens to be this particular class's seventh grade teacher. So he was this class's teacher two years ago.
1: He quit after some of these rampaging students stabbed him in the leg.
0: Yeah. So he kind of knows a lot of the kids, and he is not particularly well disposed towards most of them.
1: Yeah, he has this kind of grumpy attitude, basically. Like, okay, you kids are a big pain in my butt.
0: Yeah. Actually, it reminds me a lot of like a phys ed teacher that is forced to fill in for another teacher <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: perfect. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's wearing this tracksuit, and he's like, Seemingly a little bit unconfident about his yeah. position.
0: So they're given the rules, uh, and it's basically they're on the small island, and after three days, if there's more than one person left alive, everybody's collar explodes. So everybody dies if there's more than one person left alive at the end.
1: They were given these big duffel bags that have supplies and also a weapon that is a randomly chosen weapon. Yeah. Our hero, the main character, I guess, Shuya Na- Nanahara, he gets a pot lid. As his weapon. Yeah. Some people get submachine guns.
0: The the class is only actually 40 people. But there are two people who are... Nobody knows. And they're older than everybody else. So we don't quite know what they're there for. But they seem to kind of know how the whole game goes.
1: The first murder is... Somebody gets shot in the neck with an arrow... From a crossbow. 15-year-old kid. And it's on.
0: They lose no time, too. Like, that kid is shot in the neck with a crossbow... As he leaves the schoolhouse.
1: Yeah, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so there's 42 of them, so we don't get a lot of differentiation. But the main characters are the Shuyan and Noriko, uh, who's the girl. Yeah. And they have some kind of...
0: And Noriko got binoculars as her weapon. <laughs> so they both kind of... Uh, Potlet and binoculars. Drew the uh, bad draws.
1: I guess it would have been different if they'd gotten machine guns early on and shot 10 of their classmates.
0: Yeah, who knows how it could have gone.
1: Yeah, so it's like the Hunger Games in that they don't end up killing many people randomly. Mm -hmm. But many people do, (laughs) unlike the Hunger Games. So they're all let loose on this island, all running around in the bushes.
0: It takes quite a while for people to kind of even realize that it's serious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of scenes of one person being like, Hey, you're my friend, right? Yeah. And being blown away by the other person.
0: I mean, the plot is basically our two main characters that we're following, you know, are sort of going throughout this stuff and just, you know, various scenes of people getting shot or dying or in various ways.
1: Yeah, they're like little playlets. All their past history comes out. People who are bullies of other people. Sometimes the victim gets revenge. Sometimes there's a misunderstanding and someone gets angry and kills someone. Mm Mm-hmm. At least a couple of people kill themselves. All on the first day, by the way.
0: Just like, yeah, jump off a cliff or something, just to not deal with the whole situation. Quite early on, Noriko gets a flesh wound, sort of, she gets sliced a little bit by a guy attacking them, and she starts to get sort of a fever and sick. And so they take refuge in what seems to be sort of abandoned infirmary. But it turns out that that is actually already occupied by... Shogo. Shogo, yes.
1: So he's the ringer that you described before. A bit older, seems to know more about the games. But he becomes an ally of theirs.
0: He helps them out and uses some medical training to uh, bind up uh, Nariko's wound. And they have some food and stuff. And then they are attacked by the other sort of ringer guy, who we've seen on a couple of occasions before, has gone out and deliberately, not I guess it's not surprising that he's deliberately gleefully. killing people. But gleefully killing people and in particular targeting people who have good weapons and taking those weapons. So he now is like a machine gun and all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah, he's got big spiky blonde anime hair and a
0: really nasty attitude. And we find out from Shogo that he actually just volunteered to do this <laughs> That he, because he gave him an opportunity to kill people.
1: Right, so some people go psycho as we find out. And, uh, like, there's another girl named Mitsuko who is also gleefully killing people left and right. Yeah. So a lot of the killing is done by a a small number of people, but then there are a lot of horrible incidents that are just accidents or desperate people.
0: So during this fight, Shuya actually runs off to lure this uh, guy attacking them away and ends up getting shot and falls into the water, seemingly to die, but then he's rescued by this sort of I don't know, kind of commune that's been set up. <laughs> in the lighthouse. Six, I think it's six of the girls in the class have kind of banded together in this lighthouse, which is sort of a highly defensible position, I guess. Uh, so this is what's kind of interesting about it all being one class as opposed to people taken from random. It's that in class, obviously, Shuya, you know, was a pretty nice kid and everything. And so they feel OK, bring they bring him into this lighthouse and kind of patch him up.
1: Right. So one of the girls in the kitchen, they're all preparing a cheerful dinner, saw him murder the boy she likes.
0: It's because uh, another kid attacked them earlier with, with an axe.
1: Yeah, which ends up stuck in his head comically, mm-hmm. Steve Martin style. So they're going to bring her, him some food. And it turns out that her weapon was a little vial of poison, which right. he puts in his food.
0: But unfortunately, another girl comes in right at that moment and goes, oh, great food. I'm so hungry and eats a bunch of it. And then the poison kills her rather Extremely gruesomely,
1: Extremely goryly way. I was eating pad Thai curry. Oh, no. <laughs> thai green curry at the time. <laughs> yeah. So, like, huh. It's interesting that I can keep eating while I'm watching her vomiting blood everywhere.
0: Which everyone's like, oh, my God. You know, one of us is trying to kill everybody. And then that opens up. It becomes this. Whole, it would be funny because they're all—it's all a big misunderstanding. If it wasn't for the fact that they all have guns and have now killed each other.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So they all, in this little kitchen, in the space of a minute, all six girls are dead.
0: Yeah, and so our hero hears all this gunfire going on and and comes sort of stumbling out and just sees this carnage in the kitchen and goes, "What the hell happened here?" But he has to go to meet Nariko and Shogo at uh, this shrine that they found earlier so he grabs the weapons what weapons he can carry and continues on the other thing that we start seeing is that three other boys uh, I guess they're sort of the nerdy guys have also banded together they've set up shop in this sort of abandoned warehouse and one of the guys uh, is sort of a computer hacker type and also he's been taught a little bit of stuff about like how to make mulative cocktails and this kind of stuff certain types of explosives.
1: Yeah, so they start building a bomb with, with um, pesticides yeah.
0: and stuff. They find sort of a cache of a whole bunch of dead cell phones and broken electronics and stuff, and he kind of cobbles together a working computer and starts hacking into the, the mainframe that's sort of controlling everything, and like, uh, they have like tracking devices on their collars.
1: Yeah, so from time to time, we cut to Takashi Kitano back in the office. He gets a call from his daughter saying, don't bother to come back home. Um, yeah. that he's getting a call from home, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm at work, I'm totally tied up. Then all the computers go down. But that doesn't really add up to anything, right? They just reboot them?
0: Yeah, they put the computers down to create that distraction.
1: But unfortunately, Kiriyamo finds them first, the blonde killer guy, Yeah, and uh, mows them all down with his machine gun. The hacker guy manages to set off the explosives, and he seems to be caught in the explosion. Our heroes, Shuya, Noriko, and Shogo, show up at the site of this. Everything's in flames, and he's wandering around, the blonde
0: killer. And so he he and Shogo sort of go toe-to-toe, trying to take each other out. He's been blinded, as it turns out, but he still can fire at the source of Shogo's
1: gunfire and hits him too.
0: And so then it seems to be that there's just the three of them left. They were now on the third day. And if uh, the third day goes by and there's more than one person left, everybody's collar is going to explode. Suddenly, Shogo turns on the other two and goes, ha-ha, you know, we go to the control center, we hear them get shot. And so it appears that uh, Shogo is the winner. But it is not the case. It's actually right. all a ruse.
1: That's right. When he shows up at Takashi Katanos' place, at this abandoned schoolyard, there doesn't seem to be any kind of party waiting for him. No, the winner.
0: It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty somber affair.
1: Yeah, Tukashi kitano's just sitting there on the couch by himself, looking pretty pathetic. So Shuya and Noriko show up, and soon have him at gunpoint.
0: Hmm. There and doesn't
1: seem to be any provisions for taking the weapons away from the winner either.
0: We find out that Shogo has actually figured out how to disable the collars. The teacher tries to activate his explosive color and nothing happens.
1: At this point, we find out that he has a creepy obsession with Noriko. And he pleads with her to him, kill him, but no such luck. Shuya kills him instead. Yeah. He then takes a
0: call. Yeah, so he, he is lying, lying about to die. Uh, and then Filled suddenly. With bullet wounds that are right through him. Suddenly has kind of a second wind and gets up, and they're all like put their guns at him, but it turns out he's just answering the phone. His daughter is on the phone. He sort of has this sort of final angry conversation with his daughter. They don't they don't make up or anything. And then he dies. <laughs> it's a very odd sort of scene, but yeah, it's great. The three of them then head off on a boat, but Shogo falls to his wounds, and so the two of them go off on their own and now they're fugitives. i and I love there's like a newspaper at the end where it's like you know, accused of murder. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. They've definitely killed a lot of people. That was kind of the whole objective of the thing that you've com- complicated to for them. Charge. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Self-defense maybe? But yeah, they have the universal fugitive uniform of a baseball cap.
0: Yeah. Sunglasses.
1: Plausibility. So, I think we need a different approach, Paul, for this one. Okay. It's obviously insane. Yes. The Hunger Games takes a lot of trouble to sort of make it seem like it's something that could happen in this
0: Well, and the Hunger Games also world. establishes a completely different futuristic world where the rules are a little different.
1: Yeah, whereas this one looks exactly like ours. There's a couple of high-tech things, like the collars, but then the, the equipment that they're monitoring them with looks like it's from the 80s.
0: Yeah, like, I think we could probably make colors like that now if we wanted to. We just don't. (laughs) Yeah, Apple could do it.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's what those watches actually are.
0: Hmm. Hmm, commentary.
1: So, it's this leap. Why? What? Like, there's not even an explanation for why it exists. Apparently, in the book, there is. Did you see this? That in the book, it's actually kind of like The Hunger Games, where it's a device to terrorize the population. Hmm and show them who's boss. But, but yeah, they all seem surprised when they end up on the island.
0: Yeah, and they don't know any of the rules, uh, and they don't know... They're shocked. They... Yeah. There's no indication that there's any contact with the outside. Like, there's no... It's not there's not being, televised. Yeah. It's not being televised. Well, I mean, there aren't cameras, even. So it seems to be sort of in secret. Um, but then we also see at the beginning, the winner from the previous Battle Royale... Uh, who's this 15 year old girl like covered in blood holding a stuffed rabbit holding a stuffed rabbit is sort of being interviewed by the press it's not like it's being done in secret but it doesn't seem to be that prominent
1: (laughs) it's sort of low key
0: yeah we kill 41 kids every year but we don't make a big deal about it it doesn't
1: have to make the news every year
0: yeah only if something interesting happens (laughs) So we
1: have to just accept that as like dream logic. Mm-hmm. One thing that got me about that, though, is if it's not televised, why give everybody these ridiculous weapons? Like, if nobody can appreciate it, it's just sadism with nobody around to enjoy it. <laughs> like, there's nobody to appreciate the joke of giving somebody a pot lid. Maybe it's just whoever was packing the bags enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of situations where it almost seems like for the amusement of the Actual, the people just sort of running it.
1: So we could imagine that it was Takashi Katano who came up with all this stuff, but then it seems like not, not really. No,
0: I mean, it, but he does seem to be very much in charge.
1: Like he's insane and he's in charge, but it's not his insanity
0: that no, designed this no. whole thing. It's. I was thinking the two things that are different from the Hunger Games that are that make it really different is it's all one class, so they all know each other really well. And the second thing is they have no adjustment period. Right. Whereas in The Hunger Games, you know, they find out that you are going to be in The Hunger Games and there's like a couple of weeks before The Hunger Games actually happens. And also your whole life. Right, to know that it's happening.
1: Yeah, so The Hunger Games is about a culture where this exists. Whereas this is not. This is just a bunch of teens thrown right into it.
0: And so the in terms of plausibility, like I think the the fact that like for one thing, quite a few mm-hmm. kids just commit suicide, is pretty plausible with no time to react to it, really. Just being thrown into this situation that seems impossible.
1: Yeah, no one commits suicide in The Hunger Games except nobly.
0: Right, because if you were doing that, you would have done it much before the show actually started. I
1: guess so, yeah.
0: The other thing is that there's a few hookups, which you might expect for 15-year-olds who think they're about to die.
1: As I was watching it, I suddenly realized all the stuff that's edited out of The Hunger Games, which kind of makes it, I mean, gross in a certain way, that that it's sanitized in this way. Nobody in The Hunger Games is really a sadistic fuck. There's none of these ironic deaths that happen, or or people getting really passionate even, Mm. or bitterness, revenge. I mean, people will correct me that there's a few examples of this, but it's nothing that feels like this crazy horror of of war
0: yeah it's obviously very very messed up it's basically one step removed from waking up in like a saw style
1: (laughs) it definitely has a huge horror component and the hunger games has no horror component at all right and yeah like you said there's there's hookups and other awful sex stuff
0: and and also not just sort of hookups but also just people confessing their feelings for other people or
1: yeah, it's very incongruous, the sort of anime high school stuff that happens.
0: Well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, again, these are people who have known each other for actually a really long time, uh, but in an entirely different context.
1: No, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's plausible, but it's very melodramatic. Oh, here's something that seems pl- more plausible than The Hunger Games as well. People rejecting the games. Like, yeah, I mean, that's actively what... fighting to bring down the games.
0: Right, which I mean, in the second Hunger Games, obviously they do that a bunch, but that's sort of a special thing. The monitoring of the people is not as heavy duty as is in Hunger Games. You know, like in the Hunger Games, if somebody had set up the thing like in the the lighthouse, where they're all kind of just living together and doing the thing, then they'd be like, "Hmm, that's interesting. The lighthouse is on fire now."
1: <laughs> yeah, there's less complete control of the environment, right, and more just the collars and people with guns.
0: And we'll just see what happens. When there's the big massacre in the lighthouse, as they're dying, somebody is sort of like, we could have all made it out. Uh, and that's an interesting point, right? It's this thing where yeah. if as soon as they left the schoolhouse or whatever, all 40 of them got together and turned their weapons on the people fighting them, they probably wouldn't have had too much problem.
1: Right. It's a sort of a prisoner's dilemma thing. Yeah. So yeah, so people immediately start shooting each other as soon as they leave the place. Um so the first guy to shoot someone, how did that happen? Like, did you believe it?
0: Yeah, I did. I think like it was cuz I mean, I think the what was quite powerful and probably intentional on the part of the people running the whole program was they killed two kids in the briefing. <laughs> One kid had his collar explode and the other kid just died cuz The guy threw a knife in his face. I think if if that hadn't happened, because the idea that, you know, killing people is a real thing that's really happening, wouldn't have sort of started out so quickly.
1: Ah, so you're saying that it's basically like the adults that set the tone. They said, this is the way that it works and Mm -hmm. kind of stopped the kids from realizing that they could group together and do things peacefully or, or turn the guns on their oppressors. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they they really did give them a lot of weapons altogether. And there's more of them than there are soldiers.
0: Yeah, and they gave them, you know, machine guns and all sorts of stuff. And the other thing that I actually quite like, you know, from a plausibility standpoint is there's a lot of situations of, you know, you give a 15-year-old kid a gun and has never fired a gun before, he shoots a lot and doesn't hit anything. (laughs) Right. You know, it's not as easy as it looks in whatever, you know, video games or movies other movies
1: (laughs) (laughs) right and there's a part where the hacker guy sort of tries to do a flip off a car and fails Mm -hmm. and gets shot so some people do act like real action heroes but other people are just like real kids okay why have a winner there's no real reason for it to be a game like this
0: if there isn't any winner then then they definitely band together in fact like if there isn't any winner then they have nothing to lose. Then they have nothing to lose. Then there's no reason to fight each other. They have to so have, you have to have a winner.
1: Everybody wants to survive.
0: Yeah. I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the adults kind of trick them into thinking it's, it's a zero-sum game. It's my only chance to survive is to kill. But to their credit, a lot of the kids reject this. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes it a better story than the first Hunger Games movie anyway, because that, you know, they didn't reject it until the end. Like, in real life, it's quite hard to get people to kill each other. Uh, Like, soldiers have to be very specially trained, and then often they fail to do what they're supposed to do as far as shooting people. Mm -hmm. I was just reading about the Northern Italy First World War in this book. I'm in Northern Italy, by the way. Yeah, there's just warfare stuff everywhere around here. And apparently there were a lot of incidents that were documented of one side charging towards the other, getting just mowed down with machine guns. And then they stop the other side with the machine guns and go, hey, you guys go back. We really don't want to have to kill you all.
0: Well wow. Stop it. And you see that in, in Battle Royale where, you know, the vast majority of the killing is only done by a couple of people. Yeah. There's a lot of either reluctant or desperation killing There's only a couple of people who are really, really sort of playing the game. Scariness. Well, there's an implication that the reason why this is going on is because there's like rampaging gangs of kids going around in the real world, in in the rest of the world.
1: But they don't really show that. No. Like, it's not like if or something.
0: It seems like if you're a person in this world, your 15th year, you know, grade nine... Is extre- extremely stressful. I'd be very concerned any time you get put into a group situation. I think maybe I won't go on the field trip. Oh no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get my permission slip signed. Darn,
1: <laughs> ma'am, ma'am. Are we definitely going to the forestry museum? We're not yeah. going to be gassed and made to fight each other.
0: Yeah. Could I have my gas mask? It's uh medical.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you make it through, but. We don't know anything about the outside world. Apparently, there's more in the book that it's some kind of fascist society.
0: Mm. I mean, obviously, a society that allows the the Hunger Battle Royale games to exist can't be very pleasant.
1: That's true. Yeah. And we see it being covered by mainstream news. It's,
0: It's sort of sanctioned by the society. It's not secret. So the idea that they are at the point that they think that's a good thing implies that there's a lot of other stuff that's super messed up.
1: But did it bother you that it was a happy ending? I was really...
0: Mm, no. I was
1: bummed about that for some reason. You wanted more people to die? Yes. Blood. Blood, mm. I tell you. I just felt like it kind of makes the whole thing a bit fluffy. I mean, they don't even seem that traumatized at the end. They're just like, we're off on a new adventure on the run. Mm. So to me, for it to have meaning, everybody's got to die. But, oh, well, I mean, that's that's an easy ending, too. Okay, so here's something. So the diabolical technology, the idea of this collar. I mean, it's not particularly original, but it's still frightening to think about. It tracks your location and it can end your life instantly in a horrific way. It doesn't actually explode your head. It explodes your throat, but similar. So. We see this in other young adult dystopias, where you have an implant injected into your body.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty common trope, um, both in dystopia stuff and also in, like, you know, secret agent things.
1: Yeah, I was thinking Mission Impossible 3, Mm -hmm. where Philip Seymour Hoffman has the power to make your brain explode. And yeah, it's a kind of a body horror, the horror that your body belongs to this more powerful organization, sinister group of people. Yeah, that was creepy.
0: Yeah, not not fun. The Hunger Games is interesting in that respect in that they don't have that part. Like they don't have the I'm surprised they don't really, with everything else they have. But they don't have the whole bomb in the brain thing. They just have absolute control of the entire environment. So Yeah, they can make
1: like the trees jump on top of you or something.
0: Yeah, they can't put a bomb in your brain, but they can make the air unbreathable or the, the ground under your feet is now a bomb so it's probably okay all the chipmunks attack you yeah
1: how would they do
0: so should i open this up now yeah open it up
1: okay so paul for how would they do this time oh. i have sent you a file <laughs>
0: oh hey
1: it is your your book from when you were 15 i want you to look at the faces of your classmates this is who you would be on an island with If there was some kind of battle royale legislation, God forbid, that was enacted in Canada in 1999, which ones would be the killers? (laughs) Which ones could you take?
0: Page 47? Yeah. All right.
1: Okay, so pick a face. Tell me how you think you would confront them.
0: So... Who do I take okay, out? I'm,
1: I'm looking at your adorable picture here. Who do I
0: take out first is what you're saying?
1: What about uh, Mark Shorty? Uh,
0: Mark Short? Yeah, I sort of remember him. He was, uh, I think he was, he was a pretty tall guy, ironically named. I think he was on the rugby team.
1: Okay, so you won't use physical force.
0: Right. Like, it seems like the, the sort of, you know, cliques... That exist would kind of, at least at the beginning, would kind of stick together in some okay. ways.
1: So, were you part of a clique?
0: Yeah, yeah. We always used to like hang out at the computer lab and. That okay, kind so of who, stuff.
1: Are, who are the computer lab friends? First and last names.
0: <laughs> uh, Nick, Nicholas Weigner here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Who I'm still kind of friends with. The other Paul, Thomas McCartan, Murray McCullough. I mean, these are okay. all just people who are my friends. but.
1: So Paul, Nicholas, Thomas, mm-hmm. and you, you're defending while you work on tech stuff. And who's attacking you? Would it be the jocks?
0: I mean, I feel like we would be fairly low down on the priority list for the jocks. Like maybe they would come at us, you know, once they had dealt with more high priority targets. St. Michael's has, like, the borders, right? Like, there's the kids from overseas that actually lived on campus. Right, so they'd be tight. So they'd be real tight, and they would be quite a force to be reckoned with.
1: Okay, so the borders versus the non-borders. Yeah. That would be the first line of
0: division. Unfortunately, that ends up being kind of racial profiling, because... Yeah, they're mostly Chinese, right? Most of them are, uh, yeah, Chinese or Japanese. Uh Uh-huh conveniently looking like the kids from the b- movie
1: <laughs> including the u- uniforms
0: yeah <laughs> that's really it's really tough because it's it
1: was a while ago
0: N- was a guy who I really didn't like okay we, can, we got off on the wrong foot somehow and uh he always picked on me so, so would
1: would he kill you or would you kill him do you think?
0: I think it would be a tough one. Like I think I think uh he was a pretty big guy, but I uh I think I would surprise him with my ferocity.
1: Ah. I've seen that in that video of the social anxiety fear factor.
0: It's <laughs> frightening. Uh I remember one time uh I was we were playing soccer and I was on defense and one of the, you know, very skilled soccer players, sort of jock guys, uh, was coming down the side and, you know, on a complete breakaway. And it was just like I was the only one protecting the goal. For lack of anything better to do, I just kind of, uh, uh, you know, gritted my teeth and went sort of, Rrr! and he started laughing so hard that he missed kicking the ball <laughs> and <laughs> oh, was able okay. to get it away so, from So
1: we have a survival strategy for you, Paul.
0: Yes. Surprise is
1: the key factor to humor yeah and humor is your key to survival Paul
0: Yeah, because while they're laughing they're they're disabled. You have to be like
1: tripping over your rifle strap "Ah, Yeah, well (laughs) And then bang a 15-year-old exactly bullet in the head is what your
0: humor gets. I appear to be uh, extremely non-threatening until the very last moment You die laughing.
1: Yes. Okay. I guess it's my turn.
0: All right. So (laughs) what have you... Obviously, you've had a lot more time to plan elaborate uh, demises for your fellow students. You would think so, but
1: uh, not so much. I'm just going to look at it now. Just a sec. Jenny Reed. Okay. In that year, she beat me for the computer science first. Ooh. So clearly has to die we have a beef but she she was very nice and friendly so it was hard to hold too much of a grudge but i have the feeling that she would do what was necessary that she'd collaborate with other girls and they'd form like a squad a death squad to take down different people i think she she would
0: be she'd be the leader of the death squad do you think
1: probably that's not true i don't think that i think they'd probably be the girls in the lighthouse I can't really go through with that. Okay, let's see who inspires something. I see all these cute faces, and I see them all as potential killers. Um, Bryce Soderbergh, who is now the only person from my class who's on Wikipedia. Uh, he's a, a famous bass player in a rock band. Nice. Uh, uh, called Lifehouse. Man, I, I just like these people a lot. I don't... Yeah, I'm trying to think of ones.
0: It's not... I don't know. I don't know if I like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of mean.
0: Looking... <laughs> yeah, it is. You sound I so don't. surprised to think that <laughs> <laughs> looking looking at a bunch of people who you know and deciding which ones to kill would be mean. I mean, I I do think the jocks would be together
1: because they spend a lot of time on teams together. Mm-hmm. So they have those firm bonds. Whereas the computer science people, we would just be in the lab side by side. I mean, we would play games together, but we would not be so...
0: They would probably be inclined to stick together at the beginning because they uh, just out of habit. But they would probably turn on each other pretty quick.
1: You're saying I would turn on my friends? Yes. Al, I think, is someone who would turn into a killer because he was always getting picked on really bad, but always kind of brought more and more on himself. So I can see him suddenly getting this power, suddenly getting a crossbow in his hands and being a god. But maybe he's the one who gets the killing started.
0: (laughs) You're saying that you would be like with the computer guys, eh?
1: I guess so, yeah. I mean, I have friends like Matt Bolton and Adrian Dawson.
0: If the three of you were the last three people, and, you know, if two people, uh, if there are three people there at the end, you all die. It's a pretty tough one.
1: How do we do it? Do we do it fairly, pulling at straws? Or do we have that survival instinct?
0: Do you suggest pulling straws and then while they're distracted, shoot the other two? <laughs> while they're
1: figuring out how to do, how to actually pull straws. Yeah. That's what it would be. Except that I would be the one holding the straws. <laughs> I'd be the one being like, okay, let's make this perfectly fair. All right. It's got to be Turn- objective.
0: Yuki, what did you want to tell us?
1: Hmm. Nanahara
0: told me, you see. Kawada may know a way to get off this island. Kawada? That guy?
1: Can we trust them?
0: I don't know yet. But anyway, once Nanahara can move again, let's get out of here and meet up with Kawada and Noriko. <gasps> or the night before, did you? That means you don't trust us at all, does it? I forgot my sleeping pills at home! It's suspicious to have a zombie at your age!
1: I asked you to stop, so told me, Put the gun down!
0: So, Battle Royale. Like the Hunger Games, but taking a very similar basic premise and ending up having quite a different feel of it.
1: Yeah, this one was funnier and darker and took itself less seriously in general.
0: Right, which seems weird because it was much more violent, but that was sort of part of it.
1: Yeah, more explicitly violent, for sure. It was probably would be rated NC-17. But yeah, the themes are a little bit different. Like, Hunger Games is a lot about government oppression, and this is a lot about youthful rebellion, I would Mm. say. And about adults trying to turn kids on each other.
0: The Hunger Games is more of an all-encompassing institution. The, in Battle Royale, it's not such a big part of the actual community. So
1: I was also thinking about the fact that we read an entire book that we decided not to do for the podcast, which actually comes earlier than this, called The Longest Walk by Stephen King. Mm. And it has similar themes as well. You could say that Battle Royale is doing the same thing as that to some degree.
0: Right, and and it's similar in layout in terms of not a lot of explanation is given as to sort of why it's happening. Yeah,
1: in a world that resembles
0: ours. This thing is happening, and then the majority of the story is just a piece-by-piece recounting of how each person dies.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's a countdown, just like the Hunger Games, just like this. Mm -hmm. They literally count them down, and horrifying things happen. So the story of The Longest Walk is that it's about a competition to walk down the eastern coast of America. Just walk. No sleep. Continuously.
0: To keep walking until you die.
1: Yeah, and if your speed goes below a certain level, soldiers jump off and shoot you up.
0: Yeah, there's like 50 kids or 100 kids that do it. Yeah, 100 boys. And yeah, the last person walking at the end gets fame and fortune or whatever. We decided not to do it. Because it didn't really give any background information as to the world. It was just sort of this recounting of these kids walking along. But it is a uh, pretty harrowing read.
1: Yeah, it's a really nasty little book. I'd recommend it if you have an afternoon and are interested in this stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we'd like to remind you that this is a Loading Ready Run podcast.
0: Thank you very much for listening. And a reminder that this podcast, as well as everything on Loading Ready Run, is supported by our Patreon, which is at patreon.com loadingreadyrun. The theme song is by Bradley Rains, and all the interstitial segments are by Kiara Kant. And if you want to talk to us about this podcast, you can give us feedback on our forum at loadingreadyrun.com forum. We check that all the time, and we love hearing uh, anything you have to say about either the podcast or the story itself. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes.
1: Okay, yeah, and thanks for listening. I'm going to finish this off with a quote from the movie that I'm translating back from Italian subtitles. We all have a weapon, and when we have to use it, it's not an easy choice. And may the odds ever be in your favor. Mm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> Perfetto.